Welcome to Life and Love Nuggets, where licensed therapists Brent and Janice Sharp share how you can thrive in your life, your love, and your relationships. Hello, friends. Welcome back to Life and Love Nuggets. We're so glad that you're here. Uh, we are kind of wrapping this particular series up. Uh, this is our fourth session on transformation, this idea that we've been formed, made into the image of God. We're kind of created to be what we call our true self. And then we all kind of go through real life um, where we have influences in our life that suggest to us, Not oftentimes it's not just the suggestions, oftentimes it's a pretty bearing down on us that the way that we are is not really okay or acceptable and that we need to develop new ways of being. And so we kind of develop a coping self, which is uh, how do I please please big people in my life, whether, whether it's a coach or a teacher or a parent or whoever it might be, um, so that I can be acceptable in the world. And, and then as adults, we realize that some of the ways that we cope as little people just isn't working so well for us. And so we lose some of ourself and, and lose the best reflection of, of God in the world and how we be our best self in essence. And so we've been looking at how do we recognize those parts of us. We call it the shadow side, which, you know, every, every strength, you know, all of our personalities have strengths and weaknesses and every strength to its extreme has a weakness. Yes. Um, I use the example. It's a weakness. It is a weakness. And so um, I use the example, this is this is a strong, but of rat poison, mm-hmm. <laughs> that the, the 90% of rat poison is good corn. It's the 10% strychnine that will kill us. Yes. And so we might have 90% of us maybe flowing and living our best life and expressing the nature of God in the world well, but there's that 10% of us that can kind of steal joy and life and energy from us. And and so one of the best ways that we found, we've been talking for the last two sessions and today about the Enneagram. It's just a tool. There's lots of tools out there, but the greater way that we have self-awareness, um, the more we have self-awareness and can identify what our shadow is, the best chance we have of actually changing that or moderating that and balancing that in our life. And it's also recognizing all of us have a shadow side. Yes. And it's never going to completely go away. Yes. Unfortunately. We will always be working <laughs> on some of these issues in our lives, but we can submit more and more of them to God and allow them to be transformed. But why can't we fix it? <laughs> I want to fix it. <laughs> but but I think the key is really turning it over to God. Yeah. Because I think some perfectionists, huh. Huh, you know, <laughs> might think, well, I'll just work harder on this. Yes. And then I will be changed. <laughs> yes. <laughs> Which is just another form of performance. Yes. And so it's the whole concept is we need to submit ourselves to God and, and put ourselves in his presence. Yeah, I have clients all the time go, well, how long does it take to really be able to understand this and, and turn and, and live differently? And I'm like, well, I recognized some of my shadow about 40 years ago, <laughs> and I'm still in process. And hopefully I've made a little progress, but 
ah, we don't ever arrive. And so, right. so we've been talking about practices, mm-hmm. kind of growth practices that can help us. And I tell people it's going to be like eating. It's we don't eat and fill up and then we don't eat anymore. It's, mm-hmm. it's going to be how do we eat a new practice? How do we yeah. do it consistently over and over mm-hmm. again? Not that we're finally fixed, but that we are able to balance those things in our life. That's what we've been talking about. And yes. so we've looked at uh, the first six of those uh, Enneagram types. And and we're not going to go into all the Enneagram details. We hope that you'll kind of research that. It's just one of the reasons we talk about this now is it's just so easily accessible now in our culture. Mm-hmm. It's talked about a lot. Uh, we don't, you know, we tell people don't overcook this. This doesn't, don't pigeonhole people that, well, you're all this. Because we, we have all all of the types and we mm-hmm. can access the strengths from all different types. But we do find ourselves in one of these stories most of the time. I know I sure do. And so, and that's kind of how we talked about it. It's kind of a story that we live in. And and so today we're going to start talking about sevens. Yay. Which you know a little bit about. Oh, you know, I have friends. <laughs> you have friends. <laughs> and the seven is what we call the enthusiast. Um, they're They're busy, they're productive. Very, very fun-loving, <laughs> very, very spontaneous. Bring joy to one's lives. <laughs> they do. Mm-hmm. And we always say that they're always kind of chasing the next shiny coin, <laughs> the next experience. And first of all, let me just stop and say, I am so glad that you're a seven. I'm so glad to be married almost 45 years. Can you believe it? Wow. Within mm-hmm. a few days, 45 mm-hmm. years. Um, so glad that you're a seven. It's so helped balance. It's been... You have been a good practice in my life. <laughs> Being married to that you. means I've shaken up your world. You have. Yes. You have. <laughs> and we know that early in our marriage, this is where a certain amount of our conflict came from is you're spontaneous and ready to do the next thing and let's go have fun. And I'm like, well, let's get everything just in order and get it perfect. And and then we can maybe have fun one of these days. Maybe. And so those were in conflict with each other. I'm so glad that we found a good, healthy balance in that. She brought so much joy to my life. Thanks. And so it's been awesome in this and journey. Anytime you want to talk about how great I am and how much joy I've brought to your life, I'm <laughs> really happy to hear that. the rest of our session. <laughs> I think we need to move on. Okay. So those are some of the unique strengths and wonders of the seven. Mm-hmm. Um, we've been talking about all of our fears mm-hmm. and that's how we kind of become more self-aware is recognizing our fear. And so the fear of a seven is of being deprived or trapped in pain in some way. Uh, they feel themselves, they can fill themselves with experiences to overcome any inner emptiness. And their desire to be happy can deteriorate into frenetic escapism. So so that spontaneous, fun-loving nature can go, again, the 10% of that, <laughs> the poison side yes. of that can go too far. So what are some practices that can help? And, and as you're going to see, all these practices are going to be uncomfortable. The practices I have to do as a one aren't natural for me. They're uncomfortable, but if, but they actually, we push it, we push into those difficult practices um, so that we can find balance. I, I think for me, one of the biggest ones that has been helpful is silence and solitude. Mm. I think just getting away from everything and being alone, it's hard. It's, it's hard to start doing that. Um, you know, I've talked about how 
I get away and it's like, okay, I've had like two minutes away to think things through and now let's move on. <laughs> let's, go. let's go do something else. Um, but, but I found as I've disciplined myself to do that, it really has become more mm. refreshing than even going on a trip mm. or doing one of the adventurous things that I like to do. You know we're putting this on tape, right? I, mean, I do, we're recording but, this. but let me just add this <laughs> because we're recording. Yes. The best of all is if I can go someplace really awesome yes. and be quiet there. Oh, man, that's beautiful. Like it? when we went to Scotland, you know, yes. yes, just wandering the beaches. It's uh, having that solitude is really good. So I think that's important mm -hmm. for a seven. Mm -hmm. Um you know, for sevens, we are always looking for adventure. We're always looking for what's out there. And part of that goes along with what I've talked about, awe. Mm. You know, sevens are pretty good at awe. Yeah. But you have to discipline yourself to try to find awe in your own backyard. So it's, I think about, you know, The Wizard of Oz is one of my favorite movies from growing up, which is pretty crazy because there are some very scary monkeys on there. There are some scary monkeys. Yes. <laughs> but um, it's the whole idea of really there's adventure or what you're looking for in your own backyard. I always go back to the scripture of God shall supply all my needs. Mm -hmm. And that supply needs beyond the physical, beyond the material. Um, it really is even supplying my spiritual, my emotional needs, my social needs, my needs for adventure. Now, obviously, we socially, we have people in our lives, but mm -hmm. he can bring the things that we need in order to have us um, have the adventure that mm -hmm. we need. Mm -hmm. We just have to be willing to look around for that and not always be chasing it outside somewhere. But you have it in you somehow to be you able do. to do that. Yeah. Yeah. I, um, you know, one of my favorite scriptures has always been, which sounds funny, but when God uh, speaks to Moses and Moses is so concerned about how am I going to go talk to Pharaoh and, and God says, what's in your hand? Good. And he has his staff there. And then if you look at um, oh, both Elijah and Elisha, I've, I've preached on this before, okay. um, had widows that were in desperate need. And instead of miraculously saying, I'm going to pr produce this food for you, he said, what do you have in your household? And so we have to look at what's in my own backyard. How do I find adventure and excitement with those things around? So I don't have to necessarily go after it or chase after these things, um, but I can develop those. I can develop things that I enjoy and, and fun and uh, but with what I have. And really celebrating the things that are all around you yeah. in your yard or yeah. in the Good. park. So one of the practices for um, a seven also is fasting. Um, not, not just food, you know, but just um, saying no to something because they tend to want to grab it. Mm -hmm. uh, I have a, a person I've worked with that now they're financially capable of buying all the new gadgets. They, they're not, you know, this is not a addiction to them where they're, you know, running up all these bills that they can't pay and spending all the family money, mm -hmm. but they just are in a place in life where they could, you know, a new, new MacBook comes out and they get it the next day, you oh. know, uh, always driving a new car. They're just able to do that. But what they felt impressed by the Holy Spirit was, okay, you're, you're, putting those kind of in the wrong place. You have those in too high a position. 
that experience of buying that new thing, even though you can, that they just felt like it was inordinate. Um, and so what they found themselves doing and felt like felt led to do was if something came out that they wanted, they just automatically said no to themselves. I will not get this for 30 days. And they just fasted it for 30 days. Um, at the end of 30 days, they then determined and they found out that they were actually in a better place then, a little more objective to be able to go, do I really need that? You know, um, is this MacBook that much better than last year? <laughs> you know, and sometimes they then waited even longer and fasted it completely. Sometimes they do go ahead and get it then, but it's just a practice. Now it's not comfortable. It's and it's countercultural. Well, for sure. I mean, Amazon's awesome. <laughs> <laughs> on, on the we have a lot of little boxes presents on the front on the front porch. <laughs> yeah, it's so exciting. You come home and there's presents on the porch. <laughs> <laughs> that you ordered for yourself yesterday. Not necessarily for myself. Oh my gosh. I get excitement getting presents oh for other yes, people you're too. you're a gift giver. That you're amazing at that, yes. <laughs> but um, yeah, I think it is countercultural. And yeah. I think the whole idea of bigger, better, brighter, newer mm. is so much a part of our culture that as sevens, we have to say, okay, there's value in older. There's value in what we have. And there's peace. As, as hard as it is to discipline yourself to not get some things, there is a deep peace that comes at some point from, you know what? I'm okay without that thing. I'm okay if I don't go on a trip right now. There are good things where I'm at. So the wonder of the seven is always going to be, you know, they're going to be stirring up fun and getting the group to do um, enjoyable things with the family. And in our case, us as a couple, you know, we've traveled way more than I ever would have just naturally. <laughs> and I'm so way glad. Way more. Well, yeah. way more, actually. I mean, it's I'm just thrilled, you know. And so I look back on it and all the experiences that we've had that I just would not have done on my own. And so, again, finding that balance. Um, and one of the scriptures in Psalms says, um, be still and know that I am God. So kind of that stillness that you talked about, I, that's what that quiet helps you with. Just be still and trust in him. Yes. Yeah. So then we have this, the eights, the, these challengers. These are the really powerful personalities in our culture. They're oftentimes running organizations and, and um, um, leading causes in the world. I mean, we just need these personalities. They're just very powerful. Um Powerful and aggressive. They are great reformers. Um, some of the great reformers in culture uh, uh, have been eights. The challenge, again, they everybody has a fear. Now, eights don't oftentimes look like they have a fear because they're just so out there. Um, but they have a fear of being harmed or controlled. And so when they have a fear of being controlled, they have a tendency to then exert control. So they tend to have this natural need to control um, kind of need for intensity. We just need to be after the next thing. You know, they have a hard time resting and being calm. It's just, we got to, you know, we get this project done. Let's go to the next project. The desire to protect themselves can deteriorate into constant fighting. They're just <laughs> feel like we just need to wrestle these issues to the ground in the, in the world. So again, wonderful leaders. Yes. We need them. But it can go into a shadow that can be damaging to themselves and to others. 
That's why centering prayer can be very, very good for eights, where they really quiet themselves and really sit in the presence of God and listen for Him, thinking about Him instead of their ideas about Mm, Him or their opinion of God and how He's doing, because they are very opinionated. Um, Eights always need accountability. Um, They need to listen to other people's opinions. It's very easy for an eight to talk about what they believe or what they think. And so really being an accountability to friends, to a counselor, um, to somebody in their life, a spiritual director, to really help them have someone else's opinion, have an influence in their lives. You know, one of the things I think the most about eights is when we talk about communication and we say, your thoughts are not facts. They're merely your opinions. <laughs> I it's think that's time very that one, appropriate for eights. <laughs> yes. They're your opinions. They yeah. are not your facts, no matter how much you think them. Yes. They are not facts. And then I think also um, service. Hmm. You know, eights need to be in service, especially with people that he has to listen to. So the elderly, small children, someone that causes him to slow down, and he has to put his focus on them, just what they need. And I'm not doing that interaction to get something from them, to yes. make the next sale or to get them involved in a new project or whatever. <laughs> um, but, but so I'm not getting anything back. I'm just giving yes. um, into that person. That's beautiful. One, one of my favorite aides who will remain nameless yes. volunteers with children at our church. Uh, yeah. And I love that. I love seeing him being involved mm-hmm. in the kids that are there, even the little ones, yeah. um, because it is, it's, it's counterintuitive because kids don't listen to you and <laughs> <laughs> right. or don't appreciate your great opinions. <laughs> right. um, and so I do think it's very, That's very good. good for an eight. Yeah. Yeah. So um, I've worked with a, an eight that's just leading the charge in a very powerful organization and culture right now and just doing amazing things. And, and uh, but has come very self-aware of this, is aware that I can just roll over everybody. And if I'm not careful, the people I hire mm-hmm. can, even though I think I'm going to hire the brightest and the best, it can easily turn into they just I want them to just be yes people. And You're just, still the boss. Yeah. And then they know that and mm-hmm. they've become very aware of that. And so so he has a meeting every week with some of his top leaders. And he's told them, I want you to push back at me, um, questions. And um, he does that as a discipline because he knows it's important. <laughs> and he says, it's one of the most wonderful, horrible experiences <laughs> in his life. He knows it's good. He knows he needs to be questioned on why are you doing that project? Or why do you think that's too, you know, might be too much for us as an organization or whatever. And so he goes from this is great feedback. It helps temper me. It helps balance my personality to I just want to fire him. <laughs> and so, idiots. Idiots. And so what a great mm-hmm. practice and what great boy eights. Oftentimes eights to be healthy have to have to kind of hit a wall because mm-hmm. they can just be in charge of life and Almost, even though they wouldn't say this, almost like, I don't know that I need God. I think I got this figured out. And oftentimes, I think God in his mercy lets them, okay, do that (laughs) until they hit a wall where they can't do something or fix something or whatever. (laughs) 
And it's kind of that releasing, um, you know, probably why Paul had a thorn in the face, probably was an eight, okay? And why he had this struggle that he had to come and say, I can't fix this. There's something that I have to invite God into this space. And so um, that makes usually the healthiest eights. Yeah. Then we have our, our last one, which is our uh, peacemakers uh, with the nines. Um, some suggest that the nines have this amazing capacity to see all of the different expressions and value mm-hmm. all of them and and might even have all of everything in them, <laughs> you know, and so uh, can be very healthy in that way. Uh, they're easygoing and self-effacing. These are just the peacemakers, you know, they just, their feathers don't get ruffled much. And Which is what you are generally mistyped as. Yes, yes. And I would say it's my wing, you know, right. and again, without going into wings, we all you know, on the Enneagram, um, one to one of the sides of us. So I would probably have tended to have a wing of a two or a nine. And I think nine is probably my wing. And the uh, there can be a fear of a loss of connection. Um, that's why they want peace. <laughs> um, there's a desire to be unaffected by life. I just don't want things to create stress and anxiety. And so they do kind of natural things to just for not influenced by that. Uh, and a desire to be at peace can deteriorate into stubborn neglectfulness where they just don't engage, oftentimes don't confront things that need to be confronted. They don't, oftentimes they don't step into conflict um, because they just are looking for ways, pathways of peace. So, what do we do about that? Well, that's where one of the great practices for a nine is coming up with simple steps towards action. They need to take some type of an active role. And, you know, whether that's writing down a list and following through on what needs to be done, they need to make that movement mm-hmm. towards that. I think the other one that you've talked about is prayer. You want to talk about some of your discipline of prayer that has been helpful? Yeah, I would say that many years ago I started a a set time of prayer and uh, began doing what's called the daily office. If people are aware of that, it's been around for centuries and, and uh, where there's a, a set group of scriptures, um, uh, a Psalm reading, oftentimes an old Testament reading or an epistle, and then a gospel reading for that, for that day. And then there are just ancient prayers from ancient fathers. Of course, to kind of read through the creed together. We say the Lord's prayer you know, it takes about 20 minutes um, every morning. It has been the most consistent time in my life of prayer because I do it at eight o'clock every morning. Yeah. <laughs> it's just the time that, the, the, and I actually do it with some other people. A lot of the time. A lot of the time. Mm-hmm. And so I know that there's kind of even a group expecting <laughs> me to be involved in that. And it's been great because I, I just would kind of go to sleep to that, not not necessarily literally. Right. Some nines do go to literal sleep. They they nap a lot. I've never my one doesn't let me nap. No. <laughs> <Okay>. um, <laughs> so having some set times to do things, um, it's what works for me with exercise. I have set days that I do set things at certain times, and that's helped that part of me be most effective. And so so having some some. Fixed times to do things can be a great practice. I think another great practice for nines is journaling. Mm-hmm. Oftentimes, um, nines are not as aware of their emotions. And so it's good for them to actually start writing down 
what are my emotions? And I have people, and we talked about this in communication, I have people print out one of those face charge, yeah, or, yeah. Um, charts, yeah, right, right. emojis, basically, right. to look at, oh, am I bored? Am I discontent? Am I anxious? Am I happy? Whatever. But keeping track of those to help them identify their emotions. Yeah. Because it's easier for those to slip. And I think. And they go to sleep on that. Yes. On their own needs Mm -hmm. and their own awareness of their own um, feelings. And nines can actually harbor anger. Now, nobody will know it, obviously, because they're not this really aggressive personality, but they oftentimes carry some deep seated resentments and anger. And and anger is always a secondary emotion. And so it's there's something underneath that. You know, and being able to pay attention to that, which helps in relationships then that I, I need to actually then go talk to this person that I felt unappreciated by or offended by or misinterpreted by, which would be some of the emotions underneath anger. And so that journaling can be really helpful for that. And to be fair, a lot of nines are very blank. And so the people around them have a hard time interpreting that because a lot of times they just appear fine everything's fine. Their need to keep the peace keeps them not showing some of their emotions and maybe because they don't recognize their emotions. Yes, absolutely. (laughs) So they kind of go to sleep on that, go to sleep on their emotions. And so- You want um, a lot of sleep today, don't you? (laughs) I don't know what the sleep thing is. Um, That wing of mine you've experienced. (laughs) How many times have you gone- what are you thinking? Hello. Are you okay? <laughs> right. We used to always laugh in the church because, um, Brent, if we would have something happen, and I mean, like large things happening, like the entire basement of the church flooding, um, Brent would say, oh, dear. And so we all knew if Brent said, oh, dear, like a tornado was about to hit us or there was some kind of major crisis. Oh, dear. <laughs> <laughs> But the important thing is knowing that we all have our strengths and weaknesses and we all have things that God wants to use in our lives for good and things that we need to submit to him to really have those things healed or transformed. And the reason we talk about this is we don't naturally do this. We don't naturally want to stop and look at our shadow and pay attention to the weakness and and then work on that. We just want to keep doing the way we've been doing it. And so we have to do this very purposefully. And because it's a bit painful, it's not easy. Um, we avoid it. And so that's why we talk about it. And that's why we're encouraging you yes. <laughs> to identify, let yourself uh, in on yourself and be able to identify your shadow, open-handedly take that to God and and Lord, have mercy. Help me with yes. help me with these parts of me that aren't functioning well. These coping strategies that I developed, they might have worked again as a little person, but they're just not working for me now. And so help me uh, move a different direction. So not only that I can thrive and and reflect the nature of God best in the world, but also it's going to help relationships and all my connections with others, um, because when we're bumping into each other's shadows, those are not It's not pretty. Productive. It's not, it, is <laughs> not, it is not pretty. Yeah. One of these days we'll talk about conflict resolution, <laughs> when people bump <laughs> into each other's shadows. Mm-hmm. And um, there's going to be some ways that 
couples and marriage can learn new ways of doing that. But it just makes all of life go better. Yeah. I want to add a few books that I think could be really Good. helpful. And we'll put it in the show notes as well so you can look at. But um, The Enneagram and Spiritual Development by A.J. Sherrill is a good one. Classic um, Celebration of Discipline by Richard Foster. Mm-hmm. I was just rereading that. And I think it was the 20th anniversary. And that was at least 20 years ago. <laughs> so it's been around forever. The Ruthless Elimination of Hurry, How to Stay Emotionally Healthy and Spiritually Alive in the Chaos of the Modern World by John Mark Comer was a very good book for me. Um, the Spirit of the Disciplines, Understanding How God Changes Lives by Dallard Willis. Dallas Willard, yeah. <laughs> I don't know what you said Sorry. there. That wasn't quite right. <laughs> I don't either. <laughs> Dallas Willard. Yes, yes, See, yes. that's why I have you. You've got to fix these things. But I want to kind of end on a quote that I came across. Um, well, I came across this many years. I, I um, Well, I read C.S. Lewis's Forge of the Dawn Treader many, many years ago. Yeah. But then I came off, across a quote from Joanna Weaver in Having a Merry Spirit in a Martha World. <laughs> and I, I just love this. And I'm going to put her parts in it as well, just because I think it really helps explain sure. it so yeah. well. And it has to do with us dealing with our dark side. Okay. It says, in the voyage of the Dawn Treader, C.S. Lewis tracks the adventures of a boy named Eustace Scrub. Obnoxious in the extreme, Eustace is always demanding his own way and is certain everyone is against him. When his ship Dawn Treader stops at an unknown island for repairs, the boy wanders off on his own, stumbling across a great pile of treasure in an abandoned dragon's lair. <clears throat> Excuse me. Eustace wakes up to find he himself has become a dragon. Dismayed by this and other events, Eustace wants to be different. He tries to be different, but at the end of every day, he remains the same, a boy trapped inside a dragon's body. Then one night, Eustace meets the great lion Aslan, who leads him to a clear pool. Certain the water will ease his discomfort, Eustace decides to bathe, but Aslan tells him he must undress first. Three times, Eustace scratches at his scales and sheds his dragonish skin. But each time he does, he finds yet another layer underneath. You have to let me undress you, the lion tells him. Here's how Eustace describes it. And this is a quote directly from the book. The very first tear he made was so deep that I thought it had gone right into my heart. And when he began pulling the skin off, it hurt worse than anything I've ever felt. The only thing that made me able to bear it was just the pleasure of feeling the stuff pull off. Well, he peeled the beastly stuff right off, just as I thought I'd done it myself the other three times, only they hadn't hurt. And there it was, lying in the grass, only ever so much thicker, darker, and knobbly looking than the others had been. Naked and trembling, Eustace bathes in the pool and is once again a boy. Aslan gives him a new set of clothes and transports him back to the beach where the ship waits. Back to his new life, his transformed life. And Joanne goes on to say how we all need de-dragoning or dealing with our shadow side. Every single one of us. Left to ourselves, we can only scratch and claw at our dragonish skin. We make small amounts of progress, but little semblance of change. Until we lay our lives before the great lion of Judah asking him to do the transforming work, our efforts at self-improvement will only yield 
one layer of dragonish skin after another. Perhaps that's why the Apostle Paul implores us to, in view of God's mercy, offer ourselves as living sacrifices, holy and pleasing to God. Climb up on the operating table, Paul advises. Put your entire self in the trustworthy hands of Christ. Let the divine surgeon remove the fleshly encasement of sin that has bound you too long. Lie still under the razor-sharp scalpel of Christ's unfailing love and allow him to release what you were created to be. And I love how C.S. Lewis concludes his story. It would be nice and fairly nearly true to say that from time from from that time forth Eustace was a different boy. But to be strictly accurate, he began to be a different boy. He had relapses. But most of these I shall not notice. The cure had begun. And so has it begun for us as well. Wow, so good. So as we go today, just know you have been made in the image of God. Um, you are deeply loved. You're highly valued. And you can trust your creator. And so as you allow yourself to, to be aware of the, the shadow parts of us, you can present them to him and trust that he will do good with you. <laughs> um, he is not going to harm you. Uh, he's not going to shame you. This is not the, the work of God. Um, but he does help us grow and help us become more refined uh, so that our reflection is brighter and stronger uh, in the world. He wants us to be who he created us to be. Absolutely. So as we go to today, uh, blessings as you go. Go in peace. The Life and Love Nuggets podcast should not be considered or used for counseling, but for educational purposes only. Oh,